welcome to this episode of the award-winning Best of the Left podcast. This is a sample of our recent bonus episode, usually only available to members. These episodes are comprised of our crew of researchers, Amanda and myself, all getting together for a roundtable discussion on topics that we find interesting. So here's a few minutes for free so you can know what all the fuss is about. This has got to be my favorite conspiracy theory or or juxtaposition between reality and conspiracy theory because the 15 minute city is something that I've like genuinely been hoping for for years and years. I mean years ago I went around looking for like a vacation site and I I did a search for cities that ban cars in the center of the city. Because that's like a a dream aspect of a good city is somewhere I can go enjoy amenities. So I'm not like in the middle of a field somewhere, although that can be nice too. But a city where there are people and amenities and things to do, but no cars. That's like kind of my dream scenario. And And I went looking for that. And it turns out people are similarly dreaming those dreams. COVID lockdown spurred this idea quite a bit more. And it's all sort of consolidated in the idea of the 15-minute city. The idea being that you should be able to have all you know the basic amenities and, and some frills within a 15-minute walk or bike ride from yourself. And that one of the aspects of helping that happen is by severely or entirely reducing traffic within those towns and forcing traffic to go around. Like if you want to go through, you can walk, you can bike, do whatever you want. But if you want to go through, well then go around. So then you you leave the center of the city available for pedestrians to have a much higher quality of life. So naturally an idea that good can't help but be turned into a conspiracy theory, which is that this is like the United Nations idea, probably using black helicopters as a callback to the 20-year-old conspiracy that still hasn't come to fruition. But, you know, one world government, black helicopters, 15-minute city, it's more like a trap than anything else. They're going to bait cities with all this like great regulation to make it lovely to live there. And then for reasons that don't get explained at all, the conspiracy says they're going to like lock us in basically. So it's not that it would be good for human health or the health of the climate or anything like that, that it's fake. I mean, this is another one of those examples where they they start with the premise, they accuse the left of not believing what they really believe. We're deceitful. We're coming up with the idea of building cities that people actually like to live in as a trick to lure them in so we can lock them there and prevent them from moving because our dream is to be authoritarians who prevent people from being able to move why? Uh, just because we're sadistic, I think. Uh, they, they may have deeper analysis than that, but I have my doubts. That was the thread I pulled on immediately. Like, why do they think this? And I looked and I looked and I looked. I found nothing other than because. 
I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that they're really up in arms about is is that how dare you tell me where I can't drive? Right. That's like mildly new to me. I, I can't think of a different situation where people have been really angry about where they can't drive. And it's become kind of a hot button. It's a issue. manufactured outrage. I mean, like we already, like I can't drive through your yard. Like right. <laughs> I, I, I don't get to drive through Walmart's aisles with my, with my car. Like I, there's, there's limitations on where you can drive right now, but that's not, not convenient. Not a change. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be more convenient for you to get. Started. Oh, there's a couple yards that it would be more convenient for me to drive through to get to where I'm going. <laughs> so I've thought about it. Fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's not so much about people are upset that they're not allowed to drive where they want to drive. It's just an extension of the, the idea that literally any infringement on my freedom to do whatever I want to do is bad, except for private property. That, I mean, they, they would make an exception, I imagine. Like, well, you, know, you can't drive through private property because private property is sacrosanct. It's the most important mm -hmm. thing in the entire world. It's the foundation, literally and figuratively, of Western civilization. So no, I'm not going to drive through someone's yard, nor would I want to, because that would be terrible. But, you know, a public road going through town, and you're going to tell me that I can't drive through there just because it makes everyone else's lives better? Screw that. So... I don't agree with any of these, right? Obviously, <laughs> without saying. Um, but. but the wanting to drive wherever you want, that, like, quote, freedom, I can understand more than the they're trying to trap us in this area. That conspiracy sure. theory pretty much is in line with, like, the FEMA camps conspiracy theories to me. Right. Just this, like ongoing threat of big government boogeymen who are just going to kill a bunch of us for no reason and that's what we have to fear or there's something going on some kind of experimentation that we all have to be like cautious about um but what's astounding to me is like living in atlanta through the period of gentrification and just seeing how much the city has changed through the last like five six years how areas have been built up the one thing that you learn very quickly is like to live in an area where you have access to walking to stores, coffee shops, food venues, things like that. That is equivalent to having money. <laughs> like mm. you have to have a certain level of wealth to be able to afford to live in an area where you can walk and have everything within grass that you don't have to commute heavily for work. People, in Atlanta, like the commute is generally one hour one way, and that's commonplace because you can't afford to live in the same area that you work at. So what's interesting to me is this, like, you are fear-mongering and so afraid of, like, this entrapment or, you know, infringing on freedom that you don't realize that this actually would give you so much more freedom. You wouldn't have to spend all of your time in a commute because people who work eight, nine hours a day and then commute two hours and also have to go 20, 30 minutes to a store and all that. Like it all just adds up. You're spending yeah. your life doing nothing. <laughs> I mean, like nothing enjoyable whatsoever. Uh, so the disconnect that they can't realize what they're afraid of is actually like living a peaceful life that <laughs> they can <laughs> 
have more time for eating fruit and making art. Uh, yeah, so we can full circle that. <laughs> well, it's, right, it's, right. Uh, they're, they're just trying to trap all the rich people. Apparently that's, <laughs> that's the goal, real goal. <laughs> it count me in. That's all I can say. <laughs> I, I guess it's, it basically stems from the disconnect between the idea that there can be any social benefits by limiting personal freedom yeah, because they have been trained their whole lives to, to think that everyone having the maximum amount of personal freedom is almost by definition, the way to achieve the greatest societal benefits and freedom. And that is just simply not true because there are things like massive traffic jams in small towns that make it a nightmare not just to walk around because there are so many cars, but a nightmare to drive. It's a nightmare to drive through a small town when there are traffic jams. And if you go around instead, you open up the space for people and the cars get to be somewhere else. And because the space is opened up, fewer people will drive. That's like genuinely the idea is fewer people should drive and that would actually relieve traffic. So even the people who end up like, they're like, yeah, you know, I need to drive through town. I'm not going into town, but I got to get, get to the other side of it. Even though they'd have to go around, they'd have an easier time of it, generally speaking, because there'd be less traffic because so many people who would have otherwise been driving can walk instead. So I'm not playing devil's advocate here or anything, but I am kind of curious about this. Like there's been a lot of conversation through the last century about, you know, when train lines end and they get moved or just taken out and towns basically disappear because of that, or, you know, a main highway moves and suddenly, you know, this little town that got a lot of through traffic and business because of people who were, you know, driving to some, vacation spot or whatever, you know, saw people stop in on the way, suddenly they don't have that anymore. And so I am kind of curious, like how we do what do this, because this is great. <laughs> I think the answer is amazing public transportation. I think that's mm -hmm. probably the answer. But, yeah. but I do kind of, I think this will be a, a tough transition in that sense. I don't think we're going to have this without some, you know, Maybe some towns will disappear. I mean, they already are because of uh, other social and economic dynamics of people moving and uh, changing the way they want to live. But or maybe some towns shouldn't have existed in the first place because oh, we yeah. did this whole thing <laughs> where we put right. highways through places and already killed some towns. Yeah, I mean that's that was the other side of it for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, this this is like the like it's a perfect outgrowth of the COVID lockdown fear because the COVID lockdown fear was, you know, about a freedom that's being taken away when really, if you just stayed in your house for a little bit, we could have dealt with all this a long time ago. We wouldn't <laughs> still be dealing with the, you know, it, a little bit of lack of personal freedom for a little bit for the benefit of society isn't the worst thing in the world. But if you do think it's the worst thing in the world, then you have to create all these other monstrosities out of it to justify your irrational fear of it being the worst thing in the world. And I guess having to drive around a town instead of directly through it, adding 10 minutes to your drive, as opposed to cutting so much time out of your, your 
day-to-day commute. I don't know if I, I've told this off offline, but I don't know if I've told it on. Like I lived in San Diego for a little while and there was a, there was a point when I realized this isn't for me when I was looking at my apartment and I was looking at Google Maps telling me it was an hour away and it was not an hour away. I could have walked there for sure, but I was trapped because there's so much traffic mm-hmm. and there has to be a way. And maybe maybe there are people who haven't lived in that situation who can't wrap their minds around that. But in a small town now, I live where there are strodes, where street roads, combinations, where there's all the stuff on one road and everybody's driving 45, 50 miles an hour, but also making a right turn all of a sudden, slowing track. Like there's accidents all the time because it's the worst design possible. Like that's another problem with it. Like we could do better. <laughs> I guess yeah. that's what like it all comes down to. We could do better. Well, and I also think to Amanda's point, this would be a shift from a growth mindset to a sustainability mm. Because yes, companies might not be able to bring in degrowth people from 45 minute radius. Uh, I'm going to say minutes instead of miles because depending where you live, that's different. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they might not have that same pool. But if you have regulars, people within the neighborhood that are continuing to visit your shop, store, whatever, you have that consistency. It's more about that sustainability than that growth. Like mm-hmm. every grocery store doesn't need to serve an entire city. It just right. needs to be able to serve the people in the neighborhood. So I do yeah. think that there's a shift in this, but this also reminds me of arguments that people have against expanding public transportation. Right now we're having that in Atlanta because one of the surrounding counties, they've just approved to expand our train line out to them. My favorite thing was on TikTok. There was a comedian who was like, all right, guys, they've done it. They're, they've expanded Marta out. Like we're going to go out and bring our crime. Like, <laughs> Because <laughs> overwhelmingly, like, that's the narrative. Oh, yeah. They don't that's why Georgetown often... and D.C. doesn't have a metro stop. Yeah. It's because the rich people don't want the crime. <laughs> yeah. And if you lived in Atlanta, you'd be like, who wants to go that far out? Like, nobody's going out for something. You're coming in. This train line is for you, dummy. Like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> don't insult people. That's not nice. But <laughs> we can't even talk about the benefits that could come to the county residents where now they can easily access that public transportation. They don't have to sit through traffic. Like, we can make trains, rails, all of that, that, like, yeah. just work better for the city and give you a faster, shorter commute if we actually invest in it. But instead, you know, it's the fear mongering that comes with it where it's like, no, but it's not going to be you using it. It's going to be these people using it. And Mm -hmm. that works like that keeps us from growing. So the fear and the fear of the fear of other people and the fear of change in general, societal change, I think is what the knee jerk reaction is. And that's probably why we don't have a deeper understanding of why they think these like horrific things are going to happen if we have driverless cities, <laughs> because it's basically just a emotional reaction to the world changing. That's it for today's free sample. There's lots more of that particular episode, as well as there being dozens of past bonus episodes that you get access to in your feed the minute you sign up as a new member. Pain members are who make this entire show possible, and so these bonus episodes are a fun way to say thanks to them for their support. In addition to those full bonus episodes, members also get bonus clips in every single regular episode, as well as there being no ads in the regular show. 
If you would like to be our newest member, you can sign up at bestoftheleft.com support. You can use our Patreon page, or you can do it from right inside the Apple Podcast app, and links to get there are right in our show notes. And if you can't afford membership, I offer free financial hardship memberships. Just drop me an email to j at bestoftheleft.com and we will get you set up, no questions asked. Or again, to sign up and support the show and our ability to give away free financial hardship memberships, visit us at bestoftheleft.com support. Thanks for listening. Thank you.